today I'd like to talk about hands. Hold your hands out and look at them. Look at your hands. Now, uh, human hands are marvelous creations. You know, we, we, hear this, we hear this sometimes, I know him like the back of my hand. Well, I know that like the back of my hand. But I want to ask you this morning, how well do you know your hands? If you don't have a copy of the outline, please take it because there'll be two, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be on this subject. It is a very interesting subject that we'll be on. So, uh, Brother Steve will get you a copy of that. And while he's doing that, I want to read if you will, some scripture, and uh, we will turn, first of all, to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 to 11. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates of your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother. But you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying the seventh year, the year of release or the year of of jubilee is at hand and your eye be evil against your poor brother and you give him nothing. In other words, you make excuses for not helping those that are in need. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor and your needy, in your hand. Now, in the Bible, hand is mentioned over, uh, I believe, about 1,800 times. 1,800 times the word hand is used. And it's usually talking about or signifies an open heart, a heart of generosity. So the hand is important. Also, Psalms 145, 16, you open, this is talking about God himself, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. That is the almighty God of providence or provision. He provides, he simply opens his hand and provides every one of us, all mankind, that that they Need And then I'm going to read, if you will, uh, Psalms 24. And I may read the entire chapter, but right now, verses 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has lifted, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Now notice your introduction. Hands are capable of performing surgery or playing a musical instrument. 
They're able to lift objects weighing hundreds of pounds or throwing something very far. They can be used to deliver a violent blow or for the most gentle caress. Hands can be used for the earthiest of tasks like changing a diaper or for the most sacred of purposes such as receiving the bread and the cup that remind us of the death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May I invite you to consider the difference between hands which are open to help, open to heal, open to share, open to bless as Jesus does and hands that are closed hard and tight-fisted. Hands, as I said, are mentioned in the Bible over 1,800 times. So our hands uh, are very important when it comes to the body. And we're able to grip a screwdriver. We're able to turn a knob because of the opposable thumb. There's no other creature that is created exactly like man with the hand to do all the things that he does. And the hand at times is scarred. The hands at times are calloused. Of course, there was a time when uh, 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago, man worked with his hands more than he does today. Man used a hoe. Man, Man used a hammer. Man took his hands and marched across this great nation years and years ago, built cabins, and certainly brought forth the greatest nation ever simply because of his hands. We use our hands to eat. We use our hands to touch. There was a writer that wrote a song that I I just thought was very interesting and uh, some of the folks that most of you won't know their names have sung this song. Uh, uh, Jimmy Dean, Hank Snow, uh, Jake Hess, my favorite singer ever, Johnny Cash. In fact, someone said Johnny Cash wrote these words. I don't know who wrote the words, but they put together these words that talks about the working man. Most of you, if not all of you men, are working men, and the ladies are too. And uh, this writer takes and looks at the hands of man, and here's what he says. These hands ain't the hands of a gentleman. These hands are calloused and old. These hands raise the family. These hands built a home now these hands raised to praise the Lord these hands won the hearts 
of my loved one and with hers they are never alone if these hands do their task then what more could one ask for these fingers have worked to the bone now I'm tired And I'm old I ain't got much gold Maybe things ain't been all That I planned So God above Hear my plea When it's time to judge me Take a look at these hard-working hands. Take a look at these hard-working hands. Aren't you glad that God gave us good hands? Gave us good hands. You can look at your hands and some of them may be calloused. Some of them may be old. Yours may be young and vibrant. And sometimes they're crooked and turned this way or that way. But God looks at the hands. God looks at the heart. God looks at our actions. God looks at our deeds. God looks at us. You notice on your outline we have clean hands. We have lifted hands. We have closed hands. Some people, I think, have closed hands, just like this. Especially when the offering plate is passed. And then we have open hands. And that's why God says, open your hands wide. That means to be not just give, but to be generous. And then the nail-scarred hands. I think about the hands of Jesus. Let me ask you something. What kind of hands do you think Jesus had? When he looked down at his hands, what kind of hands do you think he had? You say, well, I don't know. Well, I, I, I sort of think they were, they were calloused hands because he was a carpenter. Jesus was a man that worked with wood and hammers and nails And whatever tools, saws, or whatever they had back then. And so I think Jesus' hands were hardened hands, were were hands that were strong hands. And yet those hands could reach out and take a child and caress it to his bosom. And those same hands could reach out and touch a blind man and make him whole. The hands of Jesus, though, they worked in the carpenter's shop. He could take them and touch a leper and to make him whole. The hands of Jesus could 
he could reach down when Peter was about to go under and, and cry out and say, help me. And those same hands that used the hammer and the saw and the nails could reach out and grasp Peter's hand, Peter's hand and lift him up. Somehow I have a feeling this morning, no matter where you are, no matter what is going on in your life, that same hand that reached down and lifted Peter up can reach down and grab a hold of your life and lift you up and bless you today. And can bless you today. Now I want us first of all, but before I do, I want to read this. Most of us or some of us have heard this, but I want to read it. Again, if you will allow me. It says, a basketball in my hands is worth $19. A basketball in Michael Jordan's hands is worth $33 million. It's just according to who hands that it's in. A baseball in my hand is worth about $12, $15. A baseball in uh, Mark McGuire's hands is worth about $19 million. It's just according to who hands it in. A tennis racket in my hands now is useless. A tennis racket in Venus Williams' hands, she wins the Wimbledon Championship. It's just according and depends on whose hands it's in. A rod in my hands will keep away wild animals. A rod in Moses' hand will part a mighty sea. It's just according to whose hands it's in. A slingshot in my hand is a kid's toy. A slingshot in David's hand is a mighty weapon. And he slays the giant. It just depends on whose hands that it's in. Two fish and five loaves of bread in my hands is a couple of fish sandwiches. Two fish and five loaves of bread in God's hand will feed thousands. It's just according to who hands it in. Nails in my hand might produce a birdhouse. Nails in Jesus' hand will produce salvation for an entire world. Can you see, man? Hallelujah. It's just according whose hands it is in. I'm glad for the master's hand. Aren't you? I'm glad that his hand reaches over and sort of touches me on the shoulder once in a while and says, it's all right. When you're walking down the corridor or you're being pushed down the corridor of a hospital and you don't know what the other end is going to be like, it's good to have his hand and say, it's all right, my son. It's just according whose hands you're in. How many of you know you're in the hands of Jesus Christ today? I love the hands of Jesus. And often I feel them as he reaches over and sort of lifts me up and encourages me and says everything's okay. And when your children are in trouble and you don't know where they are and you're walking from one window to another and it's three o'clock in the morning, and you're wondering, God, what's going on? It's good to know the hand of God not only is there with you, but reaches out to that son or that daughter and says, everything's going to be all right. We're in his hands, and it doesn't matter. No matter it's your finances, it's your health, no matter what it is, it's good to have God's hand on you. And God wants to reach out and touch us all today, and he will do that if we'll exercise faith in him. In him, clean hands. 
Let me read, if you will, and I love this chapter. It is one of the best chapters that I have read in a long time. But I want you to, to look at this, the king of glory and his kingdom. The Bible says in, in Psalms 24, beginning with verse 1, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face, Selah. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. He who is the King of glory? Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Can you say amen? Who is going to be in the presence of God? Who is going to go to the hill of the Lord where the temple was and as you'll see in this psalm, Psalms 24 was sung as they ascended the hill going to the temple each day. They sung this song. And it says who's going to stand? Who's going to, who's going to ascend this hill? Who's going to go into the very presence of the Lord? Notice what it says. These qualifications as that he lists that in order for us to be in the very presence of God. First of all, whose worship is thought, word, and deed does God find fully acceptable? I look at chapter 15, and uh, I, I see what God says to us in Psalms 15, verses 1 through 5. And I, 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 I do the Amplified here. Because I wanted to get verse 1 with the Amplified. Follow me. Go with me now. Lord, who shall dwell? And what the Amplified says, who shall dwell temporarily in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell permanently on your holy hill? Other words, you'll come this morning. We'll spend an hour and a half in this place. Maybe two hours for some of us. That's temporarily. But there's not a time we're not out of the presence of God. That's permanent. In his very holy hill. And the Bible said, who's going to dwell there? Who's going to be there? Then he answers his own question. He who walks and lives uprightly and blamelessly. Who works rightness and justice and speaks and thinks the truth in his heart. He who does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his friend, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he who honors those who fear the Lord, who revere and worship him, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. In other words, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to keep my word. 
And even if, I prom- if I've promised you something, if it's going to hurt me later, if I'm going to lose something over it later, if I'm going to be without some money because I keep my word, I'm going to keep my word to you. What I've promised you, I'm going to keep it. If I tell you something, I'm going to keep that word. Wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a society when people promised you something and kept the word? Wouldn't it be great when polit- if politicians would keep their word? That's what he's talking about. It's keeping your word. You want to be in the presence of God? Have clean hands and a pure heart. Have the right attitude. Have the right actions. The deeds. You know, we think we're going to be able to go in the very presence of God with, with, with filthy hands and, and attitudes and, and filthy minds. We're not going to do it. That's the reason it's so important on Sunday morning when we come to church to go to the prayer room or at least find a place to pray and prepare our hearts and our minds. But we rush in like sometimes if we're not careful, like everything's okay, we haven't prayed. We've said things we shouldn't say. We've lived maybe during the week. And I'm not talking about purposefully, on purpose committing sin. I'm talking about we all need to come before God and say, Lord, forgive me. We need to understand. If I'm going to come to worship God and come in his very presence, and I'm going to stand on that holy hill because God is holy, that I need to prepare my heart. And I need to prepare my heart for worship. I need to be able to sing. But I can't just rush in when all of this, my mind is all cluttered up and, and I've done all of these things and thought these thoughts and haven't even asked the Lord for, to forgive me. Then I'm going to go right in and say, Oh, God, I want to feel your presence. It's not going to happen. It's time we prepare ourselves. It's time we open our hearts before the Lord in whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he who honors those who fear the Lord, who revere and worship him, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Boy, boy, I just wish we could hear that and challenge the people to that. He who does not put out his money for interest to the ones of his own people. And he who will not take a bribe against the innocent. Somebody say amen. Our country is in a mess financially because people are taking bribes all the time, embezzling money from the government, from the, from the, from the, from the, from the uh, federal government, the state government, the local government. And we live like that and we take bribes and we live in, in, in godliness and lie and don't keep our word and we think we're going to come before God and God's going to hear us. No. Listen at it again. Who's going to stand? Who's going to ascend to that, that mountaintop? He who does these things shall never be moved. Talking about having a clean, clean ha- having clean hands and a clean heart. Not hands washed in water like pilots, but washed in innocence. David said in Psalms 26 and 6, Psalms 26 and 6, I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, O Lord. You're going to come to the altar? Now, I'm not just talking about physically. You're going to come to the altar of the Lord. We're going to stand before God. It's time that we washed our hands. 
Pilate said, I have nothing to do with this man. And so he took a basin of water and, his wa- and he washed it with his hands. But he was not clean. The only way to be clean is that we wash our hands in the blood of Jesus Christ. Wash our hearts and our soul and our lives in the very blood of Jesus Christ. Go on to say, clean hands indicate a life of character. Clean hands indicate a life of integrity. Clean hands indicate a life with right conduct. In other words, outward purity, outward morality, and inward, inward purity. God wants us to do that. Psalms 18, 20 to 24. Read it with me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. We're not going to come before the Lord and receive his blessings. Dripping with dirt, filth, immorality. Notice what he says. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God, for all his judgments were before me and did not put away his statutes from me. I was also blameless before him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. Do you know, the, do you know your hands? Are they innocent hands? Have you kept yourself pure? Have you kept yourself holy? David, David wrote that 18, 20 through 24 in Psalms. That's not a statement of arrogance, but a declaration of innocence and integrity. Could you proclaim that? Could we say that today? I'm innocent before the Lord and say it with all of our hearts. You know, the Pharisees, they were concerned about hands too. You know how they were concerned about hands? They came across Jesus and his disciples and his disciples were eating without washing hands. And the Bible says that they looked looked at at Jesus to find fault with him because he did not say anything to his disciples. See, they had a strict rule. You didn't go to the marketplace that you didn't go home and wash your hands before you eat. You had to wash your hands before you ate. Wash those hands. And so they found fault with Jesus. They They spent verse after verse in Mark chapter 7 criticizing him because his disciples had dirty hands when all the time on the inside they were filthy all the time on the inside they were like a sepulcher they were like they were like a graveyard the bible says these disciples did not have uh, these uh, pharisees did not have clean hands you want god to accept your worship clean up your life of course that's something you don't hear today anymore we we don't hear any more holiness and We don't hear any more cleaning up our lives. You can just live any way you want to. Come into the church. We'll preach to you. Everything is fine. You can know, and I can name all of these. You know what they are. Living ungodly and and living, having all kind of, of, of immorality in your life. But God says for us to clean up our life. Clean hands are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Clean hands are washed. You know what? You might say to me, preacher, 
You can live a good life. I can't. I'm out here in the world. I can't live a righteous life. I think this entire chapter gives the answer. Notice it again in chapter 24. Who may stand in its holy place and who... He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, he will receive what? The blessing of the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. No, you can't. Listen to me, young lady, young man, mom, dad. None of us can live that life. We can do all that we possibly can. To say, hey, I'm going to live right this week. It's not my righteousness. It's not your righteousness. But it's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's because of him that I'm able to tell you today that I have clean hands. How about your hands? How about your life? How about your walk before the Lord? How about your attitude? How about our motives before God? God knows all about these. Ask yourself. Are my hands clean today? If you look down at your hands, have those hands been turning pages of an ungodly book? Have those hands been uh, on the computer going to places it shouldn't go? Are those hands being used to communicate bad? Do we use those hands? See, we communicate with these hands. Some people couldn't talk without their hands. We communicate with these hands. What do you communicate with your hands? To your wife or your husband, to a co-worker, what, what do you communicate? What kind of hands do you have? I think about that. I've thought about it all week, about these hands. Sister Judy, come and play that song again. Not the one I sung, but the one you played earlier. For the offertory. I want you to listen. God guides us with his hands. And he takes care of us. But we're to look at our hands. We're to examine our hands. We're to say, God, I want you to accept me. My thoughts have been holy. My life is holy before you. And if you've allowed your hands, your life, your mind. If you've allowed yourself to, to live uh, a life that's unpleasant or displeasing to God, I hope you'll ask God to forgive you. Purpose in your heart this week that I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to God. Play that song for me, if you will. God, we need you to take our hands today. Put your hand in his hand. Hand in hand we walk each day. Hand in hand all along 
Walking thus I can not stray Hand in hand With Jesus Stand with me if you will Sing it one more time Hand in hand We walk each day Hand in hand Hand in hand All along Along the way Walking thus I can I cannot stray Hand And he walks with me And he talks with me And he tells me I am his own And the joy that we share as we tear Father we stand in your presence today God you took your hands and you scooped out the valleys And there was an ocean. Father, you took your hands and you scooped out the valleys and there were seas. And you formed the mountains. God, with your great hands, you sprinkled the stars in the sky. Though some of those scars are larger than our own sun. God, you took your hand and you... You gather the dust of the earth. And out of that dust you formed man. Breathe into him the breath of life. God, you took those hands. And you put them there at the ocean boundaries. And with your great hands you said you can go thus far. And no further. Father, you took those hands and you formed everything that we see. And as your word says, and we read it a while ago, God, you opened your hands wide. And you gave unto us everything that we ever need. And Father, when we were sick, you laid your hands on our, our blistered or our heated brow and you healed us. When we were wayward, when we were disobedient, when we were rebellious, you took those very hands 
and you drew us to you. God, when I was hurting, when I was lonely, when I didn't know which way to turn, you took those hands, picked me up, put me in the very hollow of the rock. And with that hand, you placed the protection for me. Lord, you took Junius just a few days ago and took those hands and snatched him right from the jaws of death. And you said, live. And he lived. Lord, I think about a man that we've lost recently, Bobby Peel. He had big hands. But about 25 years ago, when the doctors looked at Bobby and said, we've done all we can do. They've opened him up. And there in that body was so much cancer. They never gave him any hope. And he told, they told Sister Judy, he's got one year to live. They closed him up, never gave him any treatments. But God, you took that big hand of yours and you reached down into that body and you pulled out every cell of cancer and cast it from him. And he lived. And God, if you can do that for Bobby Peel and many, many more, you can take pound bread. And without a stitch, without any surgery on your part, and you can reach down into that body and remove every cancer cell and give her freedom and healing in Jesus' name. Lord, This morning, would you take that hand and touch Mary Bass? Would you reach that hand down into that body supernaturally and remove the sickness? Replace in those cells that are sickly, replace them with good cells. Do a recreative work in that body. God, you take, and I believe you will, take Joyce this morning. That body that's so weak. That the the enemy has taken and and afflicted her with, with this affliction. And she has to take shots just to try, just to try, just to try to keep balance in her body. Take your big hands and give her balance of healing in Jesus' name. Oh, 
Lord, you took Marsh Westbrook years ago when the doctor said he will never be any different. He will always have this kind of stomach. He will always have to eat baby food the rest of his life. And you took that big hand, God, and you reached down into that body and you said, sail, you sick sail, you dry up and you squashed it. You took and squeezed it until it died and you healed him miraculously. God, you just didn't touch the leper back in your day. You're touching the sick today. You just didn't snatch people out of the fire years ago. You're snatching them from the fire today. God, how many of us would be on our way to hell, even in hell today, had it not been for your great hand that reached down. And you touched our lives. And like Peter, that was sinking and about to go under, you picked us up. Oh, God. Oh, God. May we not soon forget those times. May we not soon forget where we were. The awful condition, the physical anguish. The burden of sin. The tyranny of our master back then. Lord, he was such a... He was such an ungodly master of our lives. We didn't want to smoke. We didn't want to drink. We didn't want to do all of those things. We didn't want to live that life. But he made us. But then you came along and you became our master. And you, dear God, lead us gentle like a shepherd. Oh, may we not forget that. May we not forget it. God, I've left some out here this morning because I don't know everybody. If there's a man or a woman that's about to, about to, to meet eternity, Lord, that could be for any of us, young or old. Doesn't matter who we are. David said, I'm only a hairbreadth from eternity. I'm only a one breath from eternity. God, if there is one that is running headlong towards the gates of hell, take your hand and reach down. <laughs> oh God, my, 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 I feel this today. Folks, I feel like somebody. Needs God, God, you you need God's hand to reach out and touch your life. But you got to let Him. You got to welcome Him. You got to open up. You see, lifted hands mean surrender. The psalmist says, I will lift up my hands in the holy temple. Lifted hand, you got to surrender to Him. When my Savior reached down for me, I was lost and undone without God or His Son. 
for me. If you'd like to sit down and you're getting tired, it's okay. When he reached way down for me. I was lost and undone without God or His Son. When He reached down His hand, that nail-scarred hand. Sing that chorus one more time. When my Savior reached down. You remember that day? You remember that night? Where were you at when you accepted Jesus Christ? When He reached way down for me. I was lost. I was lost and undone without God. When he reached down his hand for me. While you're standing or sitting and it's okay, it's, it's fine. I never want anyone in this church to feel like they've got to stand or see it. It's good to come to the altar. I encourage you to come to the altar. But it's not the position of our bodies. Sometimes it is important because right now we're on the hands and it is. But no matter if our heart reaches out and touches the Lord. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I have a special need and I need God. I need God to reach down and touch my life. You lift up that hand and let's, I want to believe the Lord for you. Anyone? Okay, we have some over here. Anyone else? We have someone at the back. Could some ladies go? A couple of ladies go at the back, please. Over at the back. You know, listen at me. Stay with me. Do, go ahead, but stay with me. I feel like someone needs God's directing hand. You're, you're trying to make a decision. Listen at me. And you need God to direct your life. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something spiritual. Maybe it's a job. I want to I believe the Lord. I, I, I was talking to you, and I'm sorry, young man, in the bathroom earlier. Forgive me. I can't think of your name. Michael, thank you, Michael. Michael, God's going to touch you today. I, I just believe that the Lord's going to meet. I want a couple of men to walk by, back and lay, find out what he needs first. Find out what Michael needs. But if you'll go back there and, and, and pray with him, God, within three weeks' time, Michael, I believe God is going to meet your need, a specific need. Come on, let's believe the Lord, folks. Let's pray with these people. Let's pray. Anyone else? I didn't want to miss anybody. Pray with them right now. Father, come on, let's believe the Lord. Father, 
in the name of Jesus, reach forth your hand, save that soul. Reach forth your hand, heal that body. Reach forth your hand, open a door for a job. Reach forth that hand, Lord, and provide spiritually, provide financially, and provide physically. In Jesus' name we pray.